when you're not a little boy anymore, when the world taught you how to be this man, you know you're still going to make mistakes. But your family and your friends that you made along the way are going to help you, okay? Even though it'll seem like the world's going out of its way to teach you these hard lessons, you're going to realize that, you know, it's the same world that's giving you your family and your friends, you know? You're going to come to believe that the world's going to protect you, too. Boy Meets World. Now I get it. When this boy meets world, boy meets world, down this road we Hey, BMW fans. Angela Bowen here, the host of The World According to Corey, an unofficial Boy Meets World podcast. So I decided the episode I'm going to focus on this month, since it is the month of love, I wanted to focus on Season 1, Episode 4, Corey's Alternative Friends, which aired on October 15, 1993. The reason I want to focus on this episode, because we know at the end of this episode, Topanga gives Corey his first kiss. Well, it's actually Topanga's first kiss also. But I just thought this would just be such a good episode to, to build from. Like, I can't talk about Corey and Topanga's relationship without at least first covering this episode. So, the IMD summary. Quinn, what are you doing? This cat is so goofy. I have the window open here. And she's... I don't know what... She's a weirdo. Anyway, in this episode, Sean and Corey get split up from doing a project together, making Sean work with Minkus and Corey with Topanga. Corey overhears girls making fun of his hair and decides to change it. That's the thing that's kind of funny is Fred Savage, who played Kevin Arnold on The Wonder Years, and Ben Savage, who plays Corey Matthew on Boy Meets World, they're brothers, of course, new in real life. Fred Savage has straight hair and Ben Savage has curly hair. So it's just, it's funny, the genetics. That actually is going to come up as far as Corey talking about how his hair is curly and how <laughs> Eric's hair is straight. Actually, Eric's hair is kind of not really that different from Sean's, as in it's the basic 90s boy style parted down, you know, the middle with the sides. So a lot of teen boys pictures that I hung when I was a teenager in the 90s, you know, JTT had, I didn't really hang much JTT on my wall, but... Devin Sawa had that, Brad Renfro had that, Ryder Strong who plays, I think I might have put a picture of him on my wall. So this episode was directed by David Trainer, writers Michael Jacobs the creator, and April Kelly the creator. Also writers Patricia Forrester and Jeff Menel, executive story editor. So I look at season one here, 
And this episode on IMDb is the highest rated episode of season one. It's got an 8.7 out of 10 based on 291 ratings. So we do have some guest stars, of course. We have, you all know her as Gia on Full House and Fuller House. She actually, and this was pre-Full House days here. She plays a character named Paige. We have a girl named Megan Parlin, who plays Barbara. A girl, Katie Johnson, who plays Hillary. Matthew Bardison, who plays Darren. Marty York as Larry. If you're, you probably aren't familiar with the name Marty York, but you'll recognize the face. You want to know why? He played Yaya on the, in the Sandlot movie. So it really seems in season one, I think just about every single Sandlot kid, almost all of them, I think even Patrick Renna, who played Ham, was in an episode of Boy Meets World at one point. Another familiar 90s sports movie face, Sam Horgan, who played... <laughs> what was it? He was in Little Giants. He played Spike on the, Del on the Cowboys team. I am definitely covering Little Giants at some point. I think I want to do... I definitely want to cover Rookie of the Year. And I definitely want to cover Little Giants. And I think I also want to cover The Big Green. It's kind of funny because the kid who plays Larry in The Big Green played Ham in The Sandlot. <laughs> no. <laughs> this episode is filled with familiar faces, I'm telling you. Chris Owen. You all may remember him, of course, as the Germinator from the American Pie. The first movie, the second movie. Don't know if he was in the third. Honestly, I think American Pie The Wedding was the weakest of the... I really liked American Reunion over the wedding, episode, the, the wedding movie. But Chris Owen was also in that one. And that's it for guest stars. So let's jump into the trivia here. The character of Topanga debuts, played by Danielle Fischel. She was never supposed to have that role. In that episode, there were two classmates who were giving a presentation in class. One of them was Marla Sokoloff, and the other was a blonde girl named Megan Parlin. Danielle was supposed to be Megan's role, but producer Michael Jacobs was so impressed with her that he gave her the role of Topanga. The night before shooting the episode, she became a regular character during season eight. Ryder Strong revealed in 2013 why Sean has a sister named Stacy who was never mentioned after this episode. Another young actor playing Corey and Sean's friend who would have had Stacy as an older sister was fired just prior to filming and so Strong was given all of those lines. Okay. Topanga says that her mother's name is Chloe. However, in later episodes, her mother's name is... Wow, I, I cannot pronounce this. R-H-I-A-N-N-O-N? -N -N? I don't know. I think at one point her mother is played by Marsha Cross from Desperate Housewives and Melrose Place in a short stint on the season two series of Everwood. 
When Corey is asking one of the kids how he got out of study hall, he mouths the words when the other kid responds. What is honestly with kids stars and shows doing that? This episode marks the first time that Sean's name is mentioned in dialogue. This episode marks Corey and Topanga's first kiss. Alright, we do have one user review here, giving this episode a 10 out of 10, titling it Introducing Topanga. Warning spoilers. This review is from January 17th, 2014. Mr. Feeney doesn't care for Sean and Corey working together. Pairing Sean up with Minkus in lieu of Corey while Corey is stuck working with the new girl Topanga. Corey overhears a couple of girls calling him a Brillo head, making Corey seek out Sean's help. After failing to read the instructions properly, Corey's hair becomes a giant mess, becoming the laughing stock of the school. As a result, Corey is forced to spend time with Topanga and her friends. Corey learns that being unique is actually a good thing and grows to like Topanga and her friends. Brilliant. This episode is absolutely brilliant for a couple of reasons. It is the peerless Daniel Fischel's debut as Topanga. She was the home, she was only set to be a guest star, but she was such a hit they brought her back as a regular. And you know what? I'm so thankful they did that. Her quirky character added a new dimension to the show at this juncture with her quirky character. You could totally tell from the audience's reaction that they adored Topanga. I think all of us have had a certain body feature, whether it's hair or something else that makes us want to skip school, and fear of what people may think. I think the this episode delivered a great message about how you shouldn't try to impress people by being someone you're not. Being authentic in yourself is the best way to be. Despite peer pressure, never let that stop you from being you. Ben Savage is pretty funny as Corey in this one. His facial expression when he gets kissed by Topanga at the end is absolutely priceless. BMW fans will love this one. So before I officially get into the episode, I want to let you know where you can find the podcast on social media. This podcast does have its own Facebook page. Just type in a Boy Meets World podcast. The world according to Corey, Boy Meets World podcast should pop up in the search bar. Also on Instagram, you can go and follow along at the Wonder Years Boy Meets World pod. So basically here's a rundown of how things are going to go with this podcast. It is a monthly podcast. I've decided how I'm going to, because I'm not doing every single episode. I'll tell you that right now. But what I have decided to do, and I thought it would be fun to do, each month I'm going to pick an episode from each season. So I'm going in order by season, season three, four, five, so on and so forth. And I'm picking one episode. Then when I get to season seven, I start over again with season one and go back through the season and pick an episode. Also, I want to hear your Boy Meets World memories, your favorite characters, your favorite moments, your top five best episodes, your top five worst episodes, or even storylines you wish that the show had tackled, or maybe a better way you think they could have handled an episode. So, the email address for this podcast is w a t c b m w p 
podcast at gmail.com. And of course, that stands for World According to Corey Boy Meets World Podcast. So, all right, without further ado, let's jump into Corey's Alternative Friends. So we jump right into the cold open. We're in the classroom. We do have Marla Sokoloff, her character, and the blonde-haired girl talking about environment hazards and safety. So they talk about everyday products that everyone uses that can cause algae to grow in lakes. Cutting off oxygen and disrupting the ecosystem. What is she putting in there? Looks like they, they have a big beaker thing of container of water and they put in like some Alka-Seltzer tablets or something. Oh, she's putting in a fake plastic fish. Okay. I love how Mr. Feeney is just leaning back in his chair and he's got his Fingers kind of intertwined and his head's kind of resting against, like, oh, yeah, okay, yep, yep, that's good. Very interesting, very insightful. So the girls make importance of this report saying that we must choose biodegradable products to help protect the environment. So I just thought of this. So the kid, is this technically... Elementary school, because Corey's 11, and you don't start junior high at age 11. At least not that I, I can think of. I started it when I was 12. I went into sixth grade. And it just seems like he's teaching all the subjects. So the girl put in a plastic fish, or maybe it was a dead fish, I don't know. And then she pulls out with some tongs a fish skeleton. Oh, we do see a little um, poster uh, sitting up against the chalkboard saying reduce, reuse, and recycle. All right, next up is Corey and Sean. I can only imagine what their project is. So, yeah, Mr. Feeney is really happy with the girls' report. He says, inspired visuals and just... Excellent report. So he calls up the next team, which is Corey and Sean. This is the simplest. They did. <laughs> they memorized a couple facts in relation to Denver and Philadelphia. When they go up to the blackboard, Sean pulls down that pull down map. And both he and Corey have these metal pointers that, you know, <laughs> they probably only did this, so all they had to do was just point. Because <laughs> Sean's like, he's not, you know, they're looking at the class, so they're not staring at the where they're pointing their pointers on the map. Sean goes, Denver! And <laughs> Mr. Feeney is like, oh my goodness. And he takes Sean's pointer and kind of moves his hand upward to where Denver would be. And actually, the boys, is their project is on how, um, how air pollution affects our everyday life. So my, my guess is all these projects have to do with some form of uh, pollutant problem in 
the environment, whether it's air pollution, whether it's toxic chemicals or everyday waste that affects the ecosystem. So Mr. Feeney right away is like, oh, excellent topic. That's great. But the boys, honestly, of course, you know, did not put any real work. They memorized a couple facts. And it's almost like, okay, why are you comparing Denver to Philadelphia as far as air pollution? Because it relates to their favorite topic, or especially Corey's favorite topic, baseball and the Philadelphia Phillies. I love how Corey and Sean at the same time extend their uh, metal pointers out. Sean starts with saying, Denver, high atop the majestic Rocky Mountains. And he's pointing it in Mexico. So, of course, Mr. Feeney's like, okay, here, let me adjust it. And Sean continues to mention elevation of 5,000 feet. Oh, my goodness. Corey uses his pointer and brings up, you know, Philadelphia. And my, it looks like he's pointing at maybe, dang, I wish I could, I don't know what that state is, South Dakota, North Dakota, somewhere, it's not Wisconsin, it's more to the left of that, Iowa maybe, I don't know, and Mr. Feeney fixes his pointer stick over where Philadelphia is, which doesn't look that far, I thought that Philadelphia and New York, because you always hear about, hey, we're going to go into the city, we're going to go into New York, or we're going from New York to Philadelphia, or, or, or vice versa. But it doesn't look that far down from uh, North and South Carolina. See, I, I gotta, I gotta look at a map more often. Apparently, Philadelphia is 250 feet above sea level. Oh, I really don't care about this, so I'm gonna kind of move on from that. And Mr. Feeney prides them for being, you know, well-researched, this information. Sean brings up the clean, crisp mountain air of Denver. Smog. Isn't that Philadelphia, like, steelworks or something like that? So Sean's bringing up this baseball stadium in Denver. Corey's bringing up the Veterans Stadium, home of the Philadelphia Rockies. I don't know anything about either of those places. Feeney just turns his desk chair around like, oh, here we go. Because he knows that they are going to turn this into baseball related. And I'm sure any topic that he gives the boys, or especially Corey, he's going to find a way to connect it to baseball. Sean's not a fan of the Rockies team because of their clean, crisp air and they're doing amazing in baseball. It almost makes it sound like he's accusing them of cheating just because they have clean, fresh air. And Corey's saying how the Phillies, their stadium, you know, the air is, like, polluted with smog. So maybe if they had clean, fresh air, the ball would be able to cut through the air. And I don't know. It's like, <sighs> I love Mr. Bean. He's like, oh, brother. So, of course, he admits his mistake was putting Corey and Sean together to begin with. That they're just going to have this bogus report. So, he decides he is going to assign the teams. So, he has 
Sean partner up with Minkus, which for Minkus is a nightmare. Like, oh boy. And Cory is going to pair with Topanga. I love how Topanga turns around and she's like, give me your hand. And Cory says, yes, why? Why do you want my hand? She wants to make sure that they are connected on an energy level. And she takes his hand, turn, and then she turns around to Mr. Feeney and says, our connective energies align or something like that. Corey, of course, goes up to Mr. Feeney like, Mr. Feeney, seriously, do I have to partner with Topanga? She's so weird. And Mr. Feeney tells him that weird is in the eyes of the beholder. So it's like, I'm not changing your partners, Mr. Matthews. Just sit down. That's what I really did not like about classes where you had to pick your own partner. Because I usually ended up being put in somebody's group because I didn't really... I mean, I knew the students, but I didn't... I wasn't really, you know, on a friendly basis with them anyway. It just... Uh, it was it was miserable. I didn't like it. Nothing worse than having your teacher put you with somebody's group and it being extremely awkward because you know they don't want you there. Next team. affects our everyday life. Excellent topic. <laughs> Denver. High top to majestic rocket <laughs> Elevation 5,000 feet. Philadelphia. Oh, over there. Lying low in the Delaware Basin. 250 feet above sea level. Well researched. Denver. Clean crisp mountain air. <laughs> Philadelphia. Polluted industrial smog. Mile High Stadium, home of the Colorado Rockies. Veteran Stadium, home of the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, here we go. The Rockies, a bogus expansion team, mind you, are averaging four more runs oh, per turning game than anyone in the league because of their clean air. Our theory is, if Philadelphia would clean up its smoggy air, the ball would slice through the atmosphere with a greater velocity. Therefore, the Phillies would score more runs and win every home game. The end. <laughs> so, how'd you like a report? Stinks. Stinks. How'd you like my half? Relax, Mrs. Matthews. I blame myself. You do? Cool. I'll let you choose your own partner. An astounding lapse of judgment for someone of my experience. <laughs> I'm going to let you try again, but this time I'll choose the teams. Mr. Hunter, you'll work with Mr. Minkus. Oh, no. And Mr. Matthews? Yeah, I'll hook up with Mr. Sullivan. No, no, that's worse. You'll work with Miss Lawrence. Topanga? Give me your hand. <laughs> Why? I want to see if our energies converge. <laughs> He's vibrationally acceptable. Thanks. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Feeney, may I approach the bench? Objection, Mr. Matthews. Can you be sweet on this? I'm Gibraltar. Come on, Mr. Feeney. Topanga's like totally strange. 
Strange is in the eye of the beholder, Mr. Matthews. I, for example, have a young neighbor who sings along with his little sister's Barney record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Corey. You hear that? The down. I was never a fan of public speaking and, you know, having to get up in front of the class and make a report or deliver a report. There was one in particular. I remember, I was 11. It was fifth grade. We were studying owls. We even dissected owl pellets. I can't even remember the owl that I was supposed to report on, but my partner was this giggly goofball that couldn't keep a straight face if her life depended on it and it really irritated me. It's like, I'm trying my best up here to deliver this report and you're all giggles and goofing and acting a mess and not taking it seriously and ended up getting marked down for that. Oh, um, another one. Yeah, in eighth grade, we had done, um, a, we set it up kind of like a, a news report. We were doing, uh, me and a couple friends of mine were doing a report on child abuse, and we each had to take different stands on it as far as the different types of abuse, and I remember, like, hey, we should all come up with, like, different names for each other, you know, let's not use our real names. And at the time, I was big into the movie Grace, so I said, okay, I'll be Sandy, and it's just, I, I couldn't get through it without, you know, so I when I would get nervous, I would start getting giggly myself. And we all, it, it was a mess, it was just not good. That's why I'm happy, like, when I had to do a report, on like wolves in seventh grade, I was standing up there by myself. It's still stressful. Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, one last one. There is one in a, like eleventh grade, and me and a couple kids. We had to. We were studying poems. We were studying poems or something, and we had to try to make like a song or a skit or a rap or something. I don't know if it was a rap. It's just, it was stupid and it's just, bleh. Not good. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Those are my moments of just awful, awful class presentations that didn't go over well. Okay, I gotta say for one, we got at least four kids in Feeney's class wearing the hooded shirts. Two of them are wearing plaid well, Corey and two other boys have the gray hood on their shirts, and I'm just like, that is a lot. I mean, I know that it's the 90s. I grew up in the 90s. I didn't, I don't think I wore any, I did wear some flannel from plaid, but wow. Just, they're, Sean and Corey are basically wearing similar outfits, like the other two boys in the row next to Corey and Sean. Okay, so a little more deeper on Topanga is wearing, she's got a choker. You know how I feel about chokers. I've explained that on the Full House podcast. I just don't like, and she's got, yeah, a choker that's got like a blue rose, like right at her throat. And then her hair, of course, season one Topanga hair is crimped, which was also a style in the 90s. My sister actually had a crimper. 
So she asks Corey for his hand because she wants to see if their energies converge. I love Corey, or Shauna's sitting right behind Corey. He's like, ooh. This girl that's sitting next to Topanga is looking at both Corey and Topanga like, oh, you two are so weird. So Topanga turns back around and informs Mr. Feeney that Corey is vibrationally acceptable. It's just so funny knowing what we know. It's like, you know you're talking about your future husband, right? <laughs> the father of your two children. <laughs> oh, Corey decides to have a little powwow with Feeney as he gets up, but because he, he's sitting right behind Topanga, he gets up, he's like, oh yeah, thanks for that. He really thinks that he's going to change Feeney's mind. Corey's like, oh, Mr. Feeney, may I approach the bench? And of course, Mr. Feeney is like, oh, uh, do you have an objection, Mr. Matthews? Of course he does. Corey asks Mr. Feeney, can you be swayed on this? So Mr. Feeney says, I'm Gibraltar. And I'm like, what is that? I thought it was like someone from like He-Man or something like that. Like a character from He-Man or something. No, Gibraltar is a heavily, from what I'm seeing on the internet here, Gibraltar is a heavily fortified British air and naval base that guards the Strait of Gibraltar, which is the only entrance to the Mediterranean Sea from the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, gotcha. Something to that effect. A British overseas territory. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I thought it sounded to me like it was like a character from He-Man or Thundercats or something like that. But the, when he says that, it almost makes me think how when people say, I'm Switzerland, like I'm neither here nor there as far as I'm not, this is between you and the other person, I'm staying out of it. Oh no, Corey doesn't call her weird. He says, come on, Mr. Feeney. Topanga's like totally strange. And Mr. Feeney tells Corey, strange is in the eye of the beholder. It's so easy to judge someone based on, you know, their outside appearance or the, you know, what they give off on the outside because you're not looking at them, like really looking at who they are on the inside. You're only looking at who they project who they are on the outside is what you're seeing. So... Mr. Feeney kind of outs Corey here with the, oh, for instance, um, I have a young neighbor who's, neighbor who sings along with his little sister's Barney tapes. <laughs> oh, yeah, try living that down, Corey. <laughs> oh, not the tapes. No, it's his little sister's Barney records. I had a little cousin who watched, had some of those Barney tapes. And we used to make fun of him so much. <laughs> Corey is shocked. He's like, you hear that? Well, he lives right next door to you, Corey. You are fence neighbors, so. <laughs> and that was the cold open, that whole scene. So I'm just going to call her Marla because I can't forgotten her name already. So she and the blonde girl, the ones that did the report on pollution in lakes, she's saying, why would I invite him to my party? He's a total Brillo head. And of course, Corey with the curly hair thinks that she's referring to Corey. 
So apparently this vending machine is where you get your milk from. You know, when I was in school, you went down the lunch line with your plastic tray and you just grabbed a milk, you know, with chocolate or white milk or vitamin D or loaf. I don't think, I think it was just either you had your chocolate milk or your white milk. They didn't have like reduced fat, fat free, vitamin D, skim milk. They didn't have all those choices. Honestly, now that I think about it, I don't, you usually didn't get two options until junior high. Because elementary school, you had one choice. That was it. Either that or you bring your own lunch to school. And the blonde girl's like, at first before Marla calls, you know, whoever a Brillo head, because we think it's Corey at first, she's like, oh, what's wrong with him? And Marla says, well, he's gross. He's a total Brillo head. And Corey is just standing there, and the girls, like, realize he's standing. He's got a bag of Fritos. He's got a little snack bag of Fritos. And they look at him, and Corey's looking at them like he thinks they're talking about him. <laughs> the look on their faces. They look at Corey, and they look away like, ugh. So whether or not they were talking about Corey or not, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> they <were> like, ugh. <laughs> Bye. Maybe they were talking about Corey. And of course, at that Brillo head comment, Corey's kind of feeling his hair. Like, is it really a Brillo pad? <laughs> I wouldn't invite him to my party. What's wrong with him? He's gross. He's a total Brillo head. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Corey thinks they're talking about him. <laughs> Corey sits down next to Sean, and he grabs his spoon, and he's looking at his reflection, touching his hair. So if you really want to look at yourself, you look at you look in a mirror. You don't use a spoon for emph emphasis. He asks Sean, "Hey, Sean, what do you think of my hair?" And Sean is like, hmm. "Corey, guys don't ask guys that question." And Corey asks Sean, "Well, would you say this qualifies as he's you know saying you know hair as a Brillo head?" And Sean's like, "Here, let me." No, I'd say you're more like a Nerf head. Nerf head would be a compliment, I think. Corey is like, what, you knew this and didn't tell me? And Sean looks at him like, hey, look, you got curly hair. Big deal. And Sean's like, can we move on from this? And Corey's like, yeah, that's easy for you to talk. You have hair. I'm a Chia Pet. A Chia Pet would be a great definition of Corey's hair. If you've seen those old Chia Pet commercials from the 90s, you, you, like, see someone slathering that gr green seeded slime onto this clay animal of your choice. And then you watch it, like, after, like, one to three weeks, like, start to poof outward with, you know, strands of, you know, green little strands of uh, vegetation or growth or whatever you want to call it. The cha 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 chia. Oh my god, you will not. There are so many chia options. Before on the commercials, it was only like someone's head and like a cow or a sheep or a cat or a dog. Now you can actually get chia pets shaped like 
The Golden Girls or Bob Ro Bob Ross, another one. I actually have a Gizmo Chia Pet that I gave myself as a Christmas gift over a year ago, and it's still sitting in the box. I I can't remember. I think I did give Jeremy a Bob Ross one, and he tried it out, and it just didn't work out. I I eventually want to get to getting mine out. I'm sure the seeds are probably expired by now for all I know. But I still, I, I think I can just buy replacement seeds on Amazon, but I think I'm just so nervous because I've never had a green thumb. I'm not good with plants at all. And that's why I guess I've kind of kept it in the box. What do you think of my hair? Guys, don't ask guys that question. <laughs> Would this qualify as a Brillo head? Nah. You're more like a Nerf head. <laughs> you knew this and you didn't tell me? You got curly hair. Big deal. Can we move on now? Sure, it's easier for you to talk. You got hair. I'm a Chia Pet. <laughs> Topanga comes over with a clipboard and paper and she explains to Corey, she says, I got Jedediah to drive me to your house after school. And I'd be like, who's Jedediah? Jedediah, I mean, it, it does sound like a name out of the body. I gotta look that up. I gotta, I gotta look that up. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, Jedediah is a Hebrew male given name, which is derived from the name, oh my goodness, I cannot, Jedediah, meaning friend of God. In the Hebrew Bible, Jedediah was the second or blessing name given by God through the prophet Nathan in infancy to Solomon, second son of King David and Bathsheba. Okay, see, well, I, I figured it had a biblical reference. Yeah, and Corey is like, who's Jedediah? And Topanga says, oh, my father. And that is just surprising to go. You call your father Jedediah? That's the thing I don't understand is watching, like, E.T., when the kids, Elliot and his brother and Gertie, were all calling their mother Mary. And I'm just, is that a thing where people went through a phase, kids went through a phase where they're calling their parent by their first name? I never did that. Well, Topanga's like, yeah, of course, that's his name. What do you call your father? And Corey's like, well, kind of like a lot of people, I refer to him as dad. And Topanga asks, then how do you tell him apart from all the other dads? Okay. Um, sure. <laughs> Corey is just baffled. It's like, look, uh, Topanga, is there any way we could do this assignment maybe like on the phone or by telepathy. Topanga tells Corey, look, it concerns our environment and I think it deserves more direct attention. That's a whole thing about working in, as partners. You kind of have to be able to physically be together to work on it, especially if it's something like this. So Corey agrees to see Topanga after school, and of course, Topanga says, Oh, well, before I leave, can you sign a petition to save Mrs. Rosemead's job? So 
is she the librarian? Okay, so it is the librarian. Because even Sean's like, who's Mrs. Rosemead? It's the librarian. Why is she losing her job? They're forcing her to retire. For heaven's sake. Just let someone retire at their own pace, okay? You don't need to rush someone into retirement. Topanga, of course, refers to this as blatant ageism, which I bet anything that is a thing. I think once a person hits like 45, 50, I think that is, it seems like it seems, or even someone that's 50 and older, the older you get, I think it's harder to be able to get jobs because it seems like the older crowd does tend to get passed over for people like in their mid-twenties. I don't know. I mean, I'm only 38, so. I just think, I mean, that's so wrong. Just if somebody is physically and mentally capable to do a job and their resume checks out their previous employers, then I see no question to, you know, if they have a good attendance track record too, that's another thing, then let them do the job. As far as I'm concerned, age should have nothing to do with a qualification. Of course, Sean being Sean is like, oh, maybe because she's blatantly old. <laughs> Sean, come and talk to me when they're trying to force you into retirement. Sean, Sean is the type of person that would gladly, okay. <laughs> you want me to retire? I'll retire. <laughs> so, Cory kind of tries to give Topanga the bum's rush. Like, hey, can we talk about this later? Sean and I, we're really busy here. We have no time to sign petitions. And Topanga's like, okay, fine, I'll respect your space. Cory, <laughs> I got Jedediah to drive me to your house after school. Who's Jedediah? My father. Wait, you call your father Jedediah? That's his name. What do you call your father? Well, like a lot of normal people, I refer to him as Dad. <laughs> then how do you tell him apart from all the other dads? <laughs> Look, Topanga, is there any way we can do this assignment on the phone? Or by telepathy? <laughs> it concerns our environment. I think it deserves more direct attention. Okay, okay. I'll see you at my house after school. Before I leave, I'd like you to sign a petition to save Mrs. Rosemead's job. Who's Mrs. Rosemead? Our librarian. They're forcing her to retire. It's blatant ageism. Maybe because she's blatantly old. <laughs> Look, can we talk about this later? We're real, real busy here. Fine. I'll respect your space eat those Fritos or is he just gonna leave that bag for the bus ride home? Of course after Topanga leaves Sean's laughing like oh wow Mr. Feeney must really hate your guts <laughs> to put you with Topanga. <laughs> I love this clap back from Corey. Hey it could be worse at least he didn't give me Minkus. <laughs> Apparently this works out for Sean in a way because he's like hey Minkus doesn't like me he doesn't trust me and he doesn't respect me. Oh, he's doing the whole assignment himself. <laughs> Sounds like a Minka. I mean, if you have um, a partner that's not cooperative, I can see definitely. Yeah, forget it. I'll do it by myself. Sean says, in my book, Stuart Minkus is a god. Why? Because you don't have to do anything for this report? <laughs> yep. 
That's Sean's goal, flying under the radar. <laughs> Just scooting by. So this is the first look we get at as, Sean, as Corey dubs this the weirdo table. Like, why is Minkus sitting at the weirdo table? We got a kid wearing a cape. We have a chessboard set up in the middle of the table. We have Chris Owen. This must have been right before he was in the 1995 movie Angus. And he is playing on a keyboard, uh, a little uh, tabletop keyboard, and he's got these, those big, bulky headphones, which I guess could probably be compared to those big Beats by Dre type headphones. Sean refers to them like the cast of the Adams Family. Sean is just so concerned. Like, don't they care what they look like? And Corey tells him, like, who, who cares what they look like? What am I going to do about my hair? So Sean is like, hey, look, if you're that stressed out about your hair, I will ask my sister what she uses to straighten her hair. And Corey's surprised. He's like, your sister straightens her hair? And Sean's like, yeah, I mean, if she didn't, she'd look like, oh, well, I don't know, you. I like Corey's hair. I think it just looks so soft and fuzzy. Granted, I was blessed with straight hair, so. <laughs> blessed? <laughs> no, I have straight hair, so. It's amazing if when you go down the shampoo aisle just how many different shampoos there are regarding your hairstyle, whether it's wavy, curly, straight, dry, parched. Colored, damaged, just so, 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 so many types of shampoo. I usually just stick with the classic clean head and shoulders two-in-one, you know, shampoo and conditioner. That way it's just, I don't like the idea of having to shampoo my hair and then wash, you know, rinse it out. And then I got to put more stuff in my hair with the conditioner and wash it out. My fingers are exhausted by, and I don't even have long hair. It's actually just to my shoulders. But still, it's just like, I just want to do, clean it, rinse it, and be done, run a brush through it, and bam, I'm done. I don't got time to be doing two separate wash and rinses. And the thing about wash, rinse, and repeat Eh, I don't know. I mean, if you got time and you like to do that and it works for you, great, great, great. Wow. Feeny must really hate your guts. <laughs> Could be worse. At least he didn't give me Minkus. Hey, Minkus doesn't like me, he doesn't trust me, and he doesn't respect me. So, he's doing the whole assignment by himself. In my book, Stuart Minkus is a god. <laughs> then why is he sitting at the weirdo table? <laughs> it's like the cast of the Adams family. <laughs> Don't they care what they look like? <laughs> Who cares what they look like? What am I going to do about my hair? Hey, if you're that stressed out, I'll ask my sister what she uses to straighten her hair. Your sister straightens her hair? Yeah, she didn't. It look as bad as, oh, I don't know, you? 
So we get to the Matthews house. It's after school. Morgan comes up to Amy and asks her, if my dolly is cold, can I put her in the toaster oven? And Amy, who's sitting at a desk, turns around and says, no, honey, that would be a mistake. And Morgan <laughs> pokes uh, Amy on the shoulder and she says, Mommy, I made a mistake. Oh, boy. I can only imagine what that doll is going to look like coming out of the toaster oven. But the toaster oven's going to need a thorough scrubbing. Amy rushes into the kitchen and she's like, Corey, didn't you smell that? And Corey's like, oh, well, I just thought we were having plastic for dinner. <laughs> oh, good grief. Surprised that Tepang, I mean, I know it's not her house. I'm surprised she didn't speak up and say something. So the doll is clearly like thin like crepe thin and it's just got a, a head attached and Morgan takes the doll from her mother and says Debbie's my doll and I love her I don't care what she looks like oh my god kid do not play with that kind of stuff without your parents. I mean granted Amy was in the other room but come on they really need to have another talk with Morgan about touching appliances Amy tells Morgan, oh, honey, we'll get you another doll. And Morgan just takes the doll in her hand and just whips it I, onto the kitchen counter. <laughs> She's got good aim. So Amy goes to walk out of the kitchen and Corey's like, oh, see you later, Amy. And she looks at Corey and Corey's like, oh, or if you prefer, mom. <laughs> and when Amy turns her back and walks out of the kitchen, Corey's like, I told you, Topanga. So Topanga's got some ideas for the presentation. Corey, of course, has got his own ideas. I say we hit Feeny hard and we hit him fast. The ozone later. It's got a hole. <laughs> Corey says, wear a hat. We're in, we're out. So yeah, he just wants to do the quick in and out report that probably got him a D. Like he and Sean did with the pollution, air pollution assignment. Or their project. But no, I like Topanga's idea a little better. I mean, yes, it requires more interpretive. Almost like she's putting on a play or do an interpretive dance. But she clearly has put more thought into this than Corey has. She tells him, well, you know, I kind of had a whole different approach to the report. And she tells him, I want to be less conventional and have it more be about performance art. No teenage boy is want, going to want to do anything performance art related, especially Corey. Although I think he's getting any, using any excuse possible to wear his Phillies baseball cap. Corey's like begging her, like, no, let's just stick with conventional. Okay, conventional's good because no one laughs at conventional. Yeah, he's, of course, afraid that the whole class is just going to laugh him out of the classroom, especially his best friend, Sean. I'm sure they're already laughing because he's been placed with Topanga. So Topanga takes... A lined piece of paper, hands it to Corey and says, read this poem out loud. So he's going to read the poem and she's going to, she's got a boom box. And she's going to do her little interpret, which is funny because in this episode, there's a throwback to this in the season. 
six. I believe it's see isn't it season six when um baby Joshua is born. You know I'm gonna look it up right now because I don't want to be wrong. Okay, yes, I was right. It's season six, episode seventeen. Age is also like a poem. Oh please, <laughs> not a poem. In his mind, it's like oh a poem so girlish, so girlish. I love how when because they have the subtitles on and when she hits play on the boombox. The subtitles say, New Age Music Plays. Corey uh, starts reading the poem. While he's reading about the sun, the only, the one, he's looking at Topanga with this weirded out, yet confused, like, yet curious. He's got his head kind of cocked to the side. Like, he's, like, trying to see, like, yeah, that's right, this girl is weird. <laughs> It's like, it's almost like that's what she's doing. It like interpretive, you know, dance. Or interpretive movements. Almost like she's on stage. And so I continues reading. Donut in the sky. Space. Big gaping place. Corey keeps reading. Without, within our skin. Donut in the sky. So is that the title of the poem, Donut in the Sky? He continues reading, Floron, Fluorocarbon. And while he's reading, Topanga takes out lipstick and draws a circle on her face and a line running down the middle of it from her forehead down to the bottom of her chin. And then from one cheek across the lips to the other cheek. Corey keeps reading, humpback whale, so pale, exhaust, is all lost, donut in the sky. The poem, it's interesting. I like her interpretive dance, which I definitely could see the kids just busting a gut over this because they're 11 and they don't get artistic expression, which is clearly what Topanga's doing. Because even Corey, who's her partner, doesn't get it. And Corey's like, after the performance is over, he's like, yeah, we could do that in front of the class. But before we do, could you take a huge baseball bat and hit me over the head? And Topanga is surprised at Corey's reaction. She asks, you didn't think it had meaning? Well, Topanga, you are on a whole other level of thinking than what, I mean, than what Corey is. I mean, Corey's not going to see what Topanga sees when she thinks of the ozone layer. And Corey is, yeah, it means we'll be laughed out of school. But Corey's just thinking pretty much averagely of what any average kid would probably think. I mean, I think even the girls probably would find this kind of funny and not take it seriously. And Topanga asks Corey, why do you care so much what people think? When people laugh at you, they're depleting their own karmic res... res what did you say? Reservoir? Reservoir, excuse me. Corey looks at Topanga confused, just like, uh, he is, I just, I don't get you. He says, you're going to be one of those girls who doesn't shave her legs, aren't you? 
And of course, Topanga is like, I haven't decided yet. So it's almost like Corey sees her as a free spirit. I would even go so far as to, what do they call the people that are like, save the forest and, you know, stuff like that. They call it like tree huggers or something like that. Environmentalists. I, I don't know. Yeah, Corey and Topanga here are on two very different mental adolescent playing fields here. It's, he's, it's like he's, tra he's asking her these questions like he's trying to figure her out. Like, do you try to be weird? Like, honestly, or does it come naturally to you? <laughs> and Topanga says, I don't think I'm weird. He says, I think you're, I think I'm unique. And which, yes, that is exactly how you look at it. There is no normal. There's each person as an individual with their own interests and their own way, their own personality and how they look at things. So, to quote her parents, Jedediah and Chloe, Topanga says to Corey, every time you're not true to yourself, the earth weeps. Corey, again, he just, oh, he does not get her. He's like, do they say that in their native Martian? And Topanga, the way she says this, it's like she's pleading with Corey to understand. The earth is crying for you, Corey. And Corey says, I'd rather have the earth crying for me than my friends laughing at me. And he looks at her and he's like, God, people make fun of you, Topanga. It's almost like he's saying, like, I don't see why you can't see that about yourself. Because he's looking at her outward appearance of how she dresses. Like, I think she dresses like a free spirit. And the, the way that she talks and everything is so many levels ahead of an you know the you know the 11 year old school kids so already she stands out just in that regard which there's honestly nothing wrong with standing out but it stinks that in middle school and this is a great quote from Kevin Arnold from the Wonder Years which is a, there's an episode I want to play cuz it is very very important. He says, in junior high, who you are or what your classmates say you are. You go, you're in junior high, you pretty much get pegged first day, whether either you're with the in crowd or whether you're on the outside or... And that's the thing, even the show Glee is all about kids that felt they didn't fit into what was considered the quote-unquote norm in high school. She looks at him and she's so? And Corey, of course, feels that pressure. He says, I couldn't take it. I just want to blend in. Well, I mean, I'm sure in some way Corey wants to be popular or see himself as, you know, popular by the other kids or at least and I want to refer to the movie Angus the character Angus is an overweight teen who's struggling to fit in at school he uses the term socially acceptable which maybe that's really just what Corey wants he doesn't want to be laughed at he doesn't want to be seen as 
if you even want to refer to them as the nerd table, the geek table, the, the, the weirdo table, whatever, Corey would deem this group of kids. But surely Corey is going to get that sense of being on the outside. And he's ostracized by his classmates, by the kids in his grade, even by his best friend, turns his back on him. Topanga says, well, you sure look like it, wanting to blend in. You look like all the other plain-wrapped kids, except for your red hat. So this is Corey's prized possession, as Topanga takes his red Phillies cap, and he says, hey, I got that on cap night. I had to wait in an hour in line. He clearly goes to the Phillies games on the regular, and she hands the cap back to him, and she says, well, if it's important to you, then it's beautiful. And the audience is like, oh. Corey just does not know what to do with this. It's like Topanga is, she's seeing something deep down inside of Corey that's good. But it seems like the only way for him to see kids for who they are on the inside is to become one of those kids that he's always you know, teasing and making fun of, like, you know, with Sean, when they're always picking on Minkus and stuff, and I think deep down, Corey knows, I mean, there is goodness, he does have a good heart, but I think he just wants to conform to what he perceives as the norm of being like everyone else, instead of stepping outside his circle and letting his individuality seep through. Mommy, if my dolly is cold, can I put her in the toaster oven? No, honey, that would be a mistake. Mommy? What? I made a mistake. Corey, didn't you smell that? I just thought we were having plastic for dinner. Okay, so she put in a naked Barbie doll. Here's what she looks like. Debbie's my doll, and I love her. <laughs> well, sweetheart, we'll get you another doll. Okay. I think she just wanted a new doll. <laughs> See you later, Amy. <laughs> Amy, or if you prefer mom. I told you. I have some ideas in our presentation. So do I. Here's what we do. We hit Feeny hard. We hit him fast. The ozone layer, it's got a hole. We're at. We're in, we're out. I kind of had a whole different approach to the report. Hi, baby. Less conventional, more performance art. No, please, let's stick to conventional. Conventional's good because no one laughs at conventional. Read this poem out loud. Poem? Please, not a poem. Son. Draws on her face with lipstick. Humpback whale, so pale. Exhaust is all lost. 
donut in the sky. <laughs> yeah, we could do that in front of the class. But before we do, will you just please take a huge baseball bat and hit me over the head? <laughs> you didn't think it had meaning? Yeah, it means we'll be laughed out of school. Why do you care so much what other people think? <laughs> when people laugh at you, they're depleting their own karmic reservoir. <laughs> You're going to be one of those girls who doesn't shave her legs, aren't you? <laughs> I haven't decided yet. Do you actually try to be weird? I don't think I'm weird. I think I'm unique. Jedediah and Chloe say that every time you're not true to yourself, the earth weeps. <laughs> Do they say that in their native Martian? <laughs> the earth is crying for you, Corey. I'd rather have the earth crying than my friends laughing. People make fun of you, Topanga. So? Couldn't take it. You just want to blend in. Well, you're sure good at it. You look like all the other plain wrapped kids at school. Except for your red hat. Hey, I got that on cat night. I had to wait an hour in line. Well, if it's important to you, then it's beautiful. So, Sean comes in the back door into the kitchen. He's like, hey, I got the stuff. As in the hair straightener that Corey wants for his hair. Topanga turns around, looks at Sean, and Sean has got this really creeped out look on his face. Whoa! Just staring at Topanga with the red lipstick all over her face. And this is the scene that will come back in season six, where he says, Use a mirror, babe! And Topanga's like, oh, what stuff did Sean get for you? And Corey asks, well, what do you think of my hair? You think it looks good? So this is interesting, because when he first asked Sean about that, and Sean's like, hey, guys don't ask other guys about their hair. But he asks Topanga, so at least he's getting, you know, a girl's opinion. And she's not going to laugh in his face. Topanga, of course, still in, in her artistic expression, puts her hands out and says, it's beautiful, like a desert tumbleweed. Corey's like, okay, great. Look, thank you for those thoughts. He takes Topanga's binder, thrusts it at her and says, look, Topanga, you want to do this performance art th thing? You go for it. You do it yourself. Corey's like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. And Topanga's confused. He's like, oh, so we're all done for the day? And Corey's like, yeah, well, me and Sean, we have a project, our own thing that we're working on now. So Topanga's like, oh, really? What is it? And Sean kind of takes over here. He's like, well, you know those dolphins that get stuck in the tuna nets? And Topanga's like, yeah. Sean pushes her out the door and slams the door in her face and says, it's got nothing to do with that. Corey and Sean high five and zip up the stairs. They traded Topanga like Harriet from Small Wonder. Now, Harriet from Small Wonder deserves the door slammed in her face. Because, you know, that's Harriet. You gotta see Small Wonder. You gotta see Harriet. <laughs> Got the stuff. <laughs> Use a mirror, babe.
ask you something. What do you think of my hair? You think it looks good? It's beautiful. Like a desert tumbleweed. <laughs> okay. Thank you for those thoughts. Look, Topanga, you want to do this performance thing? You go for it. I'll see you tomorrow. Are we all done for today? Yeah, Sean and I have another project we're working on now. Really? What is it? Well, you know how those dolphins get caught in the tuna nets? Yeah? It's got nothing to do with that. So we go up to Corey's room. He's got a towel across draped over him. He's got what looks like soap suds in his hair. Like his hair is just covered in, but turns out that's the cream, this hair straightener. And he's like, oh, should my hair be burning like this? And Sean's like, why is it burning? And Corey's like, no, I'm just trying to make conversation because we haven't talked in a while. So he says, hey, call your sister. Ask her if my ears should feel like throbbing jalapenos. See, this is why you don't do this stuff without... You definitely don't do this at age 11. You don't do this without an adult present. So Sean jumps on the phone, asks his sister Stacy if the stuff that Sean came over with, the hair care product... Should that be burning? Should Corey feel like his head is on fire? Corey is screaming into Sean's other ear saying, Hurting! Hurting now! I mean, like, then wash it out! Don't wait for her to reply. Just get, go into the shower, wash that gunk out of your hair. So, Sean says that Stacy wants to know how long... Corey's head has been burning. And Corey says, 40, 45 minutes. 45 minutes? When I look at my hair colored, it'd be like 20 minutes. And then you rinse it and then you put that conditioner stuff in it afterwards for five minutes. I don't, mm, that is too long. That, mm. Corey is freaking out. He's like, Sean, I'm going to rip my head off. He is lucky that he doesn't have to go to the emergency room because that chemical could be burning his, well, it is burning his scalp. It could be doing damage to his head, nerve damage. I don't actually know that, but I'm guessing. That's why you never put chemicals in your hair, especially if you've never done it before. Boy certainly didn't read the directions. So Sean's relaying what Stacy is telling him to Corey. Stacy says you should have washed it out 45 minutes ago. Stacy also says you shouldn't have left it in that long. As Corey runs into the bathroom and Sean says, Stacy says, why didn't you two idiots read the label? <laughs> All we hear is Corey screaming. Then we see the outside of the house. We see this uh, uh, screenshot of... Philadelphia, the city. Then we see the earth. Whoa. What did that boy do to his hair? So, should this stuff be burning? Why is it burning? No, I'm just trying to make conversation because we never really get to talk. How bad is it burning? Call your sister. Ask her if my ears should feel like throbbing jalapeno. <laughs> Hi, Stacy. It's me. Listen, Corey wants to know if that stuff he sent over should be burning. Uh-huh. Really? Hurting! Hurting now! 
situation of how long it's been burning? 40, 45 minutes? 45 minutes. Sean, I'm gonna rip my head off! Stacy says you should have watched out 45 minutes ago. Ah! Stacy says you shouldn't have left it in so long. Stacy says, why didn't you two idiots read the label? Oh, thanks, Stacy. <laughs> goes all the way into the universe to the <laughs> we cut back into Corey's room Eric and Amy run upstairs they see Corey's head and they just are screaming in shock his hair he's Ben Savage is clearly wearing a wig it's not real but his hair just looks like a thick straightened helmet hair like he's wearing a baseball helmet that has hair glued to it sean of course beats a quick retreat as he says i had nothing to do with this and just runs like shoves eric up against the bedroom door and just zips out in the hallway bye and amy comes in and she starts like touching Corey's hair and she's like what did you do to your beautiful hair and Corey's like it wasn't beautiful it looked like velcro it was cute i loved a little curly mop top and eric touches Corey's hair and says oh there is nothing's gonna stick to that now man and Corey looks at eric and is like this is your fault you got the good hair Clearly, he must have gotten that from Amy because I think Corey got Alan's hair, which is curly, a little curly on top. It's like, his hair is like a kind of a wavy curly. I love, after Corey says, this is your fault. You got the good hair. And I love how Eric kind of like touches the back of his hair. Like, yeah, I did, didn't I? Like, You're not helping, man. <laughs> audience, the girls in the audience go wild. Like, woo! Honestly, yeah, like I said, season one, Eric, for me, is my I, what I feel is the best version of Eric before he goes full dumb-dumb down the road. He was never really thrilled with when his hair got, like, so long past his shoulders. And here, I mean, he, his hair is more of a dirty blonde, kind of almost a light brown, where... As it gets longer, it gets more blonder. And I agree. So I don't know who worded it this way, but it makes sense. It seems like the longer Eric's hair gets, the dumber his character becomes. Okay, the girls are going wild over Eric's hair. You hear even after Amy's like, okay, we can fix this. And she's like, oh, we can fix this. And she's got a big long tooth pink comb she, oh just not with a comb apparently and eric isn't helping matters when he's like hey doesn't really matter mom i mean his hair is gonna fall out anyway amy's like eric stop it and eric is like mom seriously i mean a kid at school tried the same thing bald as a cue ball it's like oh she looks terrible here comes morgan this could even be plot see with the doll she comes in with this new doll 
that's wearing a red blazer and a mini, uh, mini skirt and a messenger bag. And Morgan says, I don't like my new doll. She's not wearing a pretty dress. My guess is this is what Amy's like, oh, but this doll is so great because she's a working woman or something. Like a, a doll that you can aspire to or in something to that effect. Yeah, apparently this doll is a businesswoman. Yeah, and she starts listing the doll's attributes. I mean, this dolly has gone to college, has a good job, and doesn't need Ken to support her. Amy, Morgan is like six. She doesn't get any of that stuff. All she wants is a Barbie she can dress and put and, and change outfits and, and walk her down a fake runway. Or, or put her in a Barbie Corvette or, or whatever. I think, I honestly feel Amy got that doll more for herself than Morgan. You know Morgan did not pick that doll. The doll even has brown hair just like Amy. It's like Amy's giving the doll aspirations and dreams that she wished she could have put upon, like, her own hopes and dreams. Like, I wish I could have gone to college or finished college and had a job. Because right now, I mean, she's, you know, she's a homemaker. She's a housewife. She's a mom. That's what she does. I think at some point, I think in season five, when Eric and Jack are in college, Amy decides to take a class. Uh, the ladies are all like, woo, yeah, tell it, Amy. And Corey's like, who cares, Mom, I've got a head problem here. This is a lot more important than some businesswoman Barbie doll. Oh, this is one of those combs that has got a handle on it. And it's actually stuck in Corey's bangs. Or at the top of his bangs. <laughs> Where did she get? I don't get it. <laughs> Morgan looks at Corey, and she's like, hey, it's Punky Brewster. Okay, Punky Brewster never had straight hair like that. Even when she wasn't, after season two, Punky Brewster was not wearing the pigtails anymore. Her hair was basically down, but it was long, and it was wavy, and kind of a little, maybe a little bit of curl. <laughs> I was like, hey, let's just throw in a Punky Brewster reference here. Granted, Punky Brewster was on NBC and Boy Meets World was on ABC. Alan comes in and takes a look at Corey's head. And I think Alan feels even a little insulted the fact that Corey would change his hair and he's... He just doesn't like his curls. And you see right away, Alan does have the curly waviness up top a little bit. Yeah, Alan looked at Corey. He's like, that's a hat, right? I love Eric. He's like, yeah, Dad. Try and take it off. Alan goes over and tries to pull the pink comb out of Corey's bangs. And it's just, it's stuck there. And Alan just looks at Corey. He's like, Corey, what did you do? And Corey's like, well, I, I tried to straighten my hair, okay? And Alan's like, with what? Shellac? Isn't shellac something you put on after you've painted a wall? Almost kind of like a primer. Corey's like, hey, Dad, do you think maybe a little shampoo might... And Eric breaks in, well, no, actually, see, the thing about shampoo is that it actually has to touch your hair. 
And Eric adds, it's completely ineffective if there's a polyurethane force field surrounding your head. I I think, yeah, just go down and get it. I mean, it already looks wet anyway. Just throw some shampoo in there and hope that your hair doesn't turn green, I guess. I don't know. That's the thing. You don't mess around with hair chemicals when you're a kid. Unless adult supervision, or unless your parent says it's okay and they're supervised. Or maybe even have a professional do it. But seriously, if you don't like your hairstyle, then I get, I don't know. Gotta be, I know that there are people out there that have, like, longer, like, wavy hair and they use a hair straightener. Well, Corey's curls are you know, tightly wound up against his scalp. So I don't really, oh my gosh, this makes me think of that Growing Pains episode in season seven where Chrissy gets head lice and Jason has to stand above her, like going through the strands with a lice comb. And her hair is like filled with little tiny curls. And I'm just like, ugh. I, I honestly, I gotta say, I do like Corey's hair in the much later seasons towards the end of the show. He hasn't really shaved his head so much as he's gotten a haircut where you see the curls a little bit, but it's not as, I think at one point in season like three or four, I mean, his I'm not even gonna call it like a Seth Cohen from the OCG film, but his curls expand so they're like an inch or two around his scalp, like out, expand outward. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just, I like his season, Corey's season one curls. And then I like, like season like six and seven. Alan's like, gosh, I hope your hair doesn't fall out. Yeah, uh, he's already freaked out enough. Let's not. So Amy's like, Alan, you're not helping. And Alan brings up some guy, Mike, at work who put this type of stuff in his hair and bam, bald as a cue ball. Okay, guys, you're not helping Corey. He is self-conscious about his looks as far as it comes to his hair because one girl made a crack about someone she called someone brillo head whether or not it was actually Corey, we don't know because the girl never mentioned a name but all it took was one person to make Corey feel inferior about his looks Corey stands up and goes on a little mini rant here he's like okay listen up family look i didn't know what i was doing when i put this stuff on my head and he says, and I admit, I didn't know what it was going to do to me. But here's the thing I do know. I am under no circumstances going to school tomorrow. Is that clear? No school for Corey. I'd be like, buddy, your butt's going to school regardless. You are not sick. You just have long, straightened hair. And why is it so stiff to the point where... You can't even get the comb that Amy was originally using out of. Just go get his hair wet, like wet, wet. Use some shampoo. Rinse it out. Take a brush, not someone, you know, and comb it back. Just comb it. Comb it over the ears. Comb it back. You know, that kind of thing. He's got a little, little mini ducktail going on in the back there.
beautiful and look like Velcro. <laughs> Nothing's gonna stick to that now, man. This is your fault. You got the good hair. Yeah, I did, didn't I? Okay, we can fix this. Just not with a comb. Apparently not. It doesn't really matter, Mom. His hair's gonna fall out. Eric, stop it. What are you saying? Kid at school tried the same thing. Bald as a cue ball. She looks terrible. I don't like my new doll. She's not wearing a pretty dress. No, honey, she's a businesswoman. I mean, this doll has Morgan, gone to college, or has a good Amy, job, and doesn't need a doll for you a minute. Who cares? I got a head problem here. Hey, it's Pungy Brewster. You couldn't be more wrong, kid. That's a hat, right? <laughs> yeah, try and take it off. Corey, what did you do? I tried to straighten my hair, okay? With what? Shellac? Yeah, you think a little shampoo might... No, you see, the whole principle behind shampoo is that it actually has to touch your hair. It's completely ineffective if there's a polyurethane force field surrounding your hair. I just hope your hair doesn't fall out. Yeah. Well, honey, a guy at work, Mike, with this kind of stuff in his hair, bald as a cue ball. Okay, listen up, family, because I admit I didn't know what I was doing when I put this stuff on my head. And I admit I didn't know what it was going to do to me. But here's the thing I do know. I am under no circumstances going to school tomorrow. Is that clear? No school for Corey. School? Corey? No. All right, in class the next day, Corey is wearing his Phillies cap, and he is scrunched down in his seat trying to look invisible. Of course, he can't do that for very long because Mr. Feeney is calling up the next pair of students to give their oral report, being Miss Lawrence and Mr. Matthews. So, Corey, Topanga and Corey. So, Mr. Feeney also lets Corey know he needs to remove his cap before he goes up there. And Corey is just, like, practically pleading with Mr. Feeney, like, I can't remove my cap. The cap is part of, see, our project is on the ozone layer, and my cap is part of our UV protection angle. Like, uh, nice try. And Mr. Feeney repeats his rule, no caps in class, which I'm not surprised. I don't believe there were... Uh, hats allowed in class when I was in junior high or high school. And here's, like, Corey is, like, literally begging Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney, if you have any shred of humanity left in you, you'll let me keep this on. Nah, it's not gonna fly. <laughs> I love how Feeney kind of leans over Corey and says, Too many years of sixth graders have bled me of my humanity. Corey takes the cap off as he faces the class, and everyone busts a gut laughing. Even Sean. The only one who's not laughing, other than Corey, <laughs> is Topanga. <laughs> Corey sticks out his bottom lip like, see, I told you they'd laugh. Okay, seriously, it's not that funny. And he looks at Topanga, he's like, go ahead, laugh. And she looks at him, he's like, well, your hair looks different. I mean, why would I laugh? Because Topanga is above all those children sitting in their seats. Corey gives Topanga a confused look, kind of like, I don't get you, Topanga. All right, next up for oral reports, Miss Lawrence and Mr. Matthews. Let's go, Mr. Matthews. Remove your cap and deliver your report. Uh, 
I can't remove my cap because our report is on the ozone layer and the cap uh, is part of our UV protection angle. No caps in my class. Mr. Feeney, if there is one shred of humanity in you, you'll let me keep this on. Too many years of sixth graders have bled me of my humanity. <laughs> Take off your cap. What happened to his bang? What happened to this? Go ahead, Lass. <laughs> your hair looks different. Why would I laugh? Alright, so it's lunchtime, and this is where Sean and Yeah Yeah here pretty much ice Corey out as far as, hey man, you're not sitting with us, we you and your Dorcas Malorcas hair. Oh no, Sean actually was like, hey, over here, duckhead. Okay, seriously, it's not that funny. But they're preteen, so they'll laugh at whatever. So while... Sean and Yaya are busting a gut laughing. Topanga offers a free seat at uh, her and Minkus's table. Along with the kid in the cape and the kid with a giant headphones and keyboard. Minkus offers <laughs> Corey some tofu with some chopsticks. Like, hey, you want some tofu? And, eh. Well, he's pretty much got his lunch, which looks like it could be chicken nuggets. And the milk. And maybe some green beans. Over here, duckhead. <laughs> Corey, there's a seat for you here. Tofu? <laughs> Alright, so in the next scene, we have the girl in the overalls come over and she's saying how sad it is she only got one signature on the petition to save Miss Rosemead's job. And Topanga is surprised, like, how come no one cares about Mrs. Rosemead? And Corey, of course, thinking he's speaking for the rest of the student body, is like, oh, well... She's old. And I gotta ask this. Kids, did you, Topanga, did you ask Mrs. Rosemead if... Well, because Topanga's under the impression that the teacher is being asked to retire. So, and obviously, I mean, Topanga's probably in the library all the time. Probably has a good repertoire with the librarian. And maybe the librarian just... Decided to share this info. Like, I'm sorry, Topanga. I won't be here much longer because they're forcing me to retire. The kid in the cape is like, in Eastern culture, old people are valued for their knowledge. Okay, so we learned from Corey this boy's name is Darren. And Corey's like, Darren, I've been wanting to ask you something since the fourth grade. What's with the cape? And he, Darren, when he stands up, he's wearing... It's like you see it a lot with, like, bachelor party picture. Like, they're wearing the t-shirt with the tux on it. And, and I love how Darren turns to Corey. He's like, 
what cape and just walks away. And who knows, maybe the cape for Darren is like Linus's security blanket that he's been carrying around for a couple years. You know, maybe that's just, that's just him. He needs it. So the girl in the overalls, whose name I don't know yet, says, hey, can someone else take the petition for a bit? Because I'm tired of having spit wads and lima beans thrown at me. So Minkus offers to take the petition. He's like, hey, look, I'm used to having objects thrown at my head, so I'll take it. Corey, get out of, away from this table with your judgment. He's like, no one's going to sign your petition. And Topanga looks at him and she's like, why not? And Corey's like, because you're weird. I'm like, okay, you know what? Get your tray. Go sit over there with Sean. Because we don't need your judgment here, Corey. Thank you. The kids kind of look at him like, dude, you're sitting with us. And uh, Corey kind of backpedals like, oh, I mean, I say that out of respect, being that I'm now one of you. Corey apparently has a way to convince the kids to sign the, the, bleh, bleh, the petition. And overall, the girl's like, well, why should we listen to you? Like, you just called us all weird. Why should we care about anything you say? Uh, she's got a point. I mean, Corey didn't even know who Mrs. Rosemead is. I'm sure that he's never even set foot in that school library. Unless it's for a class assignment that he has to work on. When I was this age, I was... When I was in 7th grade, especially because in the 7th grade hall, that's where the library was located. I was... Oh, I even got to work in the library when I was in 7th grade. It was so awesome. And Corey convinced like, hey, look, I don't even know, have to know Mrs. Rosemead. I just have to know the kids who want to sign the petition, which he pretty much figures he knows the entire student body outside of this table. So he figures, like, dude, you were just laughed out of class practically, and your best friend iced you out because of your hair. You really think they're going to take you seriously? Actually, now that I think about it, I got a little flash forward in my head of how the... Oh, yeah, that's how the episode ends. <laughs> Topanga's like, well, we know who those kids are. There are people like that right over there. Let me guess, she's pointing at Sean. Sean, yeah, yeah, and, of course, Spike from Little Giants. And yeah, yeah, from The Sandlot. Corey looks over at the table longingly. It's like, yeah... They might as well be a billion miles away. So, Corey starts in saying, hey, you don't know a thing about those kids. Like, what they like to do after school. Do they like to, what they like to watch on TV. That kind of thing. You're getting them to sign a freaking petition, man. When you boil past all those superficial things that kids apparently think are so important on the outside that separates the kids into two separate groups, you're pretty much pretty similar as far as the things you have in common. I mean, come on now. Why should the things you like and the things you wear determine the type of person you are? It's on, I mean, and I know all those special episodes of shows are like, what's important is what's on the inside. And they are 100% true. The superficial stuff on the outside doesn't matter. And it shouldn't matter. <laughs> 
And they bring up Crossfire, which my cousins had the game Crossfire. And the McLear Report, which I'm not sure what that is. And of course, Minkus says, I enjoy anything with Angela Lansbury, so most likely Murder, She Wrote. Okay, Corey, seriously? Alright, I'll assume those are actual shows. Oh my goodness, boy. And I know, like I said, the internet was not around at this time. You're telling me, kid, you've never seen advertisements, previews for Murder, She Wrote. Let me, I know that that show came out in the 90s. Correction, I'm correcting myself. It came out from 84 to, it ran from 84 to 96. This show started in 1993, so it was halfway through its run at that time. So, come, I mean, come on now. You can't tell. I mean, it's not like Minka said, I like Murder, She Wrote. I mean, what else did Angela Lansbury do? 264 episodes. I think there actually is a podcast on the episodes. There's probably a couple of them. Of on Murder, She Wrote. Let's see. So definitely she does do voice work. She was also in Mary Poppins Returns. She played the mayor in the 2018 Grinch movie. She played Aunt Marsh in the 2017 miniseries of Little Women. This, are, this is just her accomplishments in the late teens. Like she was also in a couple episodes of Law and Order in 05. Oh, I think I remember that episode of Touched by an Angel. Yes, I do. Yes, I remember that. That was a good episode of Touched by an Angel that she was in. It's from season eight, For All the Tea in China. An old British woman is forced to reveal the secrets of her painful past after undergoing a failed background check in order for her grandson to adopt a baby from China. Of course, what I definitely knew her from is when she voiced Mrs. Potts in 1991's Beauty and the Beast. She, she was also the voice of the Dowager Empress Marie in the 1997 movie Anastasia. She apparently has been acting since 1944. Oh my goodness. Good for her. Good for Angela Lansbury. So, Corey kind of gives the kids a briefing on what the other half watches on television. They're not watching Angela Lansbury in the Lear Report. They're watching Beavis and Butthead. I didn't have cable until 1996. So, I was not watching Beavis and Butthead. I think I might have flipped it to MTV once. When that was on, and I'm like, what is this? Ugh. But yes, my husband does have the Beavis and Butthead Do America movie, and he's seen episodes. Ugh. I don't know, and I could never get behind South Park either. But Jeremy is into that also. Oh, he got an audience like, woo, Beavis and Butthead, yeah! Like, okay. I mean, at this point in time, I was watching the TGIF lineup. I was watching, heavily watching Full House. I was watching Family Matters and Perfect Strangers and um, Step by Step. Even Step by Step, I mean, some of the, I mean, I think Full House really was the only show I watched, like, on the regular I did watch, you know, some of the... I, but I think at some point or another, just like with Boy Meets World, I did kind of... 
I'm not going to say I lost interest, but at some point in time, I don't know whether it had always been on the same night or whether I just kind of jumped the ship. I, I don't know. I don't. And the same thing goes with Step by Step. I didn't even know they had another kid. And apparently because they got the Welch's grape juice girl as their kid in the last two seasons, um, Frank's youngest son, Brendan, and the, I don't know what, it's like he vanished. They have those on Hulu, uh, Step by Step, and I'm just like, well, let's check out the last couple episodes of Step by Step. And I'm like, and even Jeremy's like, well, wait a minute, didn't they have another boy on the show? And I'm like, yeah, they did. Where did he go? I mean, you got Jason Marsden. I think Cody was still on at that point. But, and the thing that is weird. Remember the, and I will get back to Boy Meets World in a hot second. The last episode, the season finale of season seven of Full House. The Tanners get an offer to sell the house. Uh, mostly everyone is on board but Michelle. And then they end up, you know, living there after they reject the offer. But guess what? Step by Step did the same thing for their series finale. Their youngest daughter, Lily, they get an option to get a new house and because Frank's in construction. And then everyone's on board but the youngest kid. And it's like she's even sabotaging these um, prospective homebuyers. And she's like, I don't want to move. And they're like, we don't want to move either. I'm like, you got that from Full House. Come on. Because Full House ended in 95. Step by Step ended in 1998. Nothing against Step by Step. I did enjoy it. I just, again, jumped off. I think I was still watching here and there when Al ended up making out in a car with Andrew Keegan's character, is who's the son of a friend of Frank's. I don't know. All right, let's get back to Boy Meets World and Corey trying to educate the other half on how uh, the rest of the student body acts and their interests. But apparently this table of kids has never heard of Beavis and Butthead. Only Topanga, Overalls Girl, and Darren are the only ones who are like, whom? You don't see Minka say it, and well, redheaded kid from Angus with the big old uh, headphones covering his ears is saying nothing. I don't even think he says anything. Unless he gets a line. But I, I don't know. <laughs> He's just kind of there. And Corey says, see, this is exactly my point. You want to sell your idea, right? You need to know your buyer. So I said, hey, look, you got to organize. You got to strategize. I'm like, okay, Corey, well, since you know so much about the other, how the other half operates, then why don't you take over this petition? And I think in a way with Corey, he's kind of saying, like, you got to appeal to these kids. Like, what are they going to get out of this? What does Mrs. Rhodes-Mead mean to them, exactly? How has she affected their lives? 
If, if there's a stake in it for those kids of having her not be there, you might be able to get them to sign that petition. And Corey says, and most of all, you need people who aren't, and he looks around, you. And Minkus is surprised. He's like, are you proposing you want to help us? And Corey's like, yeah, I guess I am. There are four Hostess chocolate cakes with the cream inside just sitting on wax paper on that table. Like, is anyone going to eat those? Or are they just there for decoration? And no one's playing with that chessboard. Get that out of the way. And Topanga's like, why do you want to help us? And Corey looks at her and says, because life is strange and now so am I. One signature on our petition. It's so sad. How come no one cares about Mrs. Rosemead? Because she's like old. In Eastern culture, old people are valued for their knowledge. <clears throat> Jerry, I've been meaning to ask you something since the fourth grade. Every day you come to school with a cape. What's the deal with the cape? What cape? <laughs> take this for a while. I'm getting tired of having lima beans and spit wads shot at me all day. I'll take it. I'm used to having objects hurled at my head. Oh, poor Minkus. No one's going to sign your petition. Why not? Because you're weird. <laughs> Corey, However, look at your hair. I say that respectfully since I am now one of you. No, you're not. But I know how to get them to sign. Why should we listen to you? You didn't even know who Mrs. Rosemead was. No. I don't have to know Mrs. Rosemead. All I have to know is the people who you want to sign the petition. We know who they are. They're people like that, right over there. They might as well be a billion miles away. You don't know a thing about them. What do they like to do after school? What do they like to watch on TV? Crossfire? Make me a letter report. I enjoy anything with Angela Lansbury. Oh, Crossfire, not the game, the show. Okay. I assume those are all actual shows. They're not watching those. They're out there watching Beavis and Butthead. Who? <laughs> exactly my point. You want to sell your idea, you need to know your buyer. You gotta organize, you gotta strategize. And most of all, you need people who aren't... you. Are you proposing to help us? Yeah, I guess I am. Why? Because life is strange and now so am I. So yeah, what's the... Okay, when they say crossfire... I mean, uh, original... I'm like, okay... <laughs> thought of the crossfire game no when he brings up television shows and they say crossfire isn't that a it's kind of like a news show in a way where they're interviewing people about certain topics i'm just kind of looking at this and okay it looks like it started in 82 ended in 2014 one of the leading political talk shows in america this program combined in-depth discussion of current events and issues with just enough conflict Added to spur arguments onward for each show, four panelists, either journalists, politicians, or others similarly connected with affairs of state with a wide range of opinions and viewpoints were brought together to debate the impact of past events, the wisdom of current events, and the proper courses of action for the future. I remember Crossfire being brought up on, I think, the second to last episode of Growing Pains. All right, so it looks like we're going back to the Matthews house. And, Bean, we're 
zooming in on that little window there, it looks like we're going to Corey and Eric's bedroom. What in the, what, boy, what are you doing? Those are the same type of curlers my grandma would put in her hair on Saturdays. Trying to bring his curls back is what he's trying to do, but it's just, it's, ugh. I don't know, I think he's going to make matters worse and his hair is going to just look, instead of it's going to look like a brown football helmet, it's going to look like Einstein hair or something. <laughs> Here comes Eric, Mr. Heckler. <laughs> and Corey's like, okay, look, what I'm doing here is I'm just trying to get my normal hair, my hair back to normal. And Eric's like, yeah, sure. And Corey looks at him and like, if you say anything, I'll find someone to hurt you when I'm older. Oh, come on, Eric. We know. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, man, it's cool. Don't worry. Not a word. I won't say anything. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Baloney, Eric. Baloney. We know you, Eric Matthews. You are not the silent type when it comes to ridiculing someone for hilarious reasons. I don't find it hilarious at all, but we all know Eric even in season one. I mean, now he is not Wayne Arnold level bully big brother. Not even in the, he is not even in the same league as Wayne Arnold as a bully of a big brother. Oh, come on. He's taking a Polaroid picture of Corey's hair. Eric's taking a Polaroid picture. Oh my goodness. But when Corey grabs that square handheld mirror for a split second if you pause the screen the reflection of the mirror catches one of the spotlights that's lighting this particular set here <laughs> eric says i own you now <laughs> and Corey's like hey oh my god boy, man eventually that stringer stuff would like, you wash your hair enough times, I would imagine it would have to eventually just get out of your hair, right? Wouldn't it, if you wash it enough times? <laughs> okay, what I'm doing is I'm just trying to get my hair back to normal. Sure. If you say anything, I'll find some way to hurt you when I'm older. Not a word, man. I mean, it's cool, you know? Just... Hey! I own you now. All right, so the kids are waiting for Corey to show up. Like, oh, how much longer are we going to wait for him? They probably think oh, he ditched us. So Topanga has faith that Corey's going to show up, but Overall's girl and Darren are all like, oh, he's not going to show. We were so stupid to believe him. And Minka's just like, I feel cheap. Hey, um, redheaded boy from Angus with the keyboard, which is just, uh, attached by a cord of some kind around this kid's neck. He finally took off his headphones. Do we get to hear him speak? Oh, here comes Corey. Oh my goodness, with a Einstein here. 
comes around to face them, and he's like, I know you all are smart enough to find to not find something as degrading as this funny. Do they all laugh? Uh, okay, apparently they do find it funny, because they're all busting a gut laughing. Of course, like, look, the bell's gonna ring any second. Are we gonna help out Mrs. Rosemead or not? So, well, did they forego the petition? Or, oh, okay, no, I get it. Never mind. Never mind. Hey, Quinn. How you doing, girl? <laughs> Mink is just like, let's rock and roll. Oh, they're gonna handcuff themselves across from one bay of lockers to the other side of the hall of lockers. So that way the kids cannot... There is more than one exit in that school. Come on now. Come on. So Corey instructs them to hold the ground. We are the only roadblock to freedom. Oh boy, I hope they got keys for those handcuffs. They, they, yeah, they're basically like a, a barricade in that hallway. Like, no one's going to be able to get through them unless they're going to climb through the gaps in between each kid. So here comes Spike from Little Giants, and he's all in a huff. What are you geeks doing? We're going to miss the bus. Oh, here we go with yeah, yeah. Like, oh, look, it's Don King. <laughs> As he points at Corey's hair. So Corey breaks it down for him quick and simple. Look, the school board is forcing Mrs. Rosemead to retire. Of course, here we go with Spike from Little John's like, who cares? It's the weekend. And it seems like Corey does actually care about Miss Rosemead. It's like, hey, look, she's been here for over 40 years and they're just putting her out to pasture. Corey says, hey, look, just sign the petition and we'll move out of the way. So Spike from Little Giants threatens them, saying, move or die. So Corey tries another tactic. Like, look, Mrs. Rosemead's been here for like a billion years. What do you think's going to happen if they get a new librarian in here? Someone who's younger, maybe not so nice. It's all about the rules. Yeah, and, and Corey goes on saying, like, hey, look, Mrs. Rosemead, Mrs. Rosemead does not care what we do, right? Like, hey, Larry, why don't you tell everybody how you got out of study hall last week? Larry, of course, is who I'm calling Yaya from the Sandlot. Larry tells them, I told her I was training for the Olympic decathlon. Corey's like, yeah, and she believed you, right? And Larry's like, she bought me a discus. She went out of her way to buy this kid a discus? Wow. See, that's someone, that sounds like a librarian who really cares about students. Yeah, and Corey's like, see, they hire a young person. They get a young person in here. That young person is going to be someone who clearly feels like they have something to prove. And Corey says, and study hall, my friends, as we know it, Study hall is going to be over forever. Larry's like, all right, where's the petition? Corey tells him. The cafeteria is like, all right, well, I'm signing it. And the kids all go to sign. So many of these kids all have the same type of hairdo with the whole parted down the middle. Minkus is surprised. Like, this mob of kids <laughs> just listening to Corey. And Topanga, of course, it's like, wow, Corey, you did amazing. And Corey's like, you know, it was kind of cool staring down at Angry Mob as Minkus, the redheaded kid from Angus, 
overalls girl and Darren with a cape are all like, okay, bye. <laughs> and Corey is just so surprised. He's like, I never knew I had it in me. Well, it only takes one to be a leader and, you know, fight for a, a worthy cause. And of course, Topanga spouting her amazing wisdom. Sometimes the reluctant warrior is the bravest warrior. Of course, Corey's, like, he's just smiling and just looking up at this. And then he turns and he looks at her, realizing they're still handcuffed together. And Corey's like, you're not gonna, like, kiss me now, are you? Topanga asks, would it be your first kiss? And Corey's, like, trying to, like, because he's handcuffed. One of his hands is handcuffed to Topanga. The other one is handcuffed to, I'm guessing this might be his locker or a locker. He's like, hey, don't come near me. <laughs> and Topanga says, because it would be interesting if all your life you remembered that your first kiss happened when you thought you looked weird, wouldn't it? Corey's like, no, it wouldn't be interesting going, get away. And Topanga continues, because then you'd know it's not what you look like. It's not what you look like on the outside that matters. It's what kind of person you are. And Corey is like, you shouldn't kiss somebody you're not married to. And Topanga actually kind of thinks on that for a second. Like, hmm, yeah. I would have to feel I really knew the person. And that I liked him. Corey's like, oh, good. Like, kind of like, okay, that settles that. And Topanga's like, yeah, hmm, good. She pushes him up against his locker. Audience is going wild. <laughs> like, they know what's going to happen next. I love Corey's, like, ah. ah, the audience is just like, ah, Topanga. <laughs> and she pulls back and looks at him and says, it was my first one, too. Ah, <laughs> this is, ah, this is the scene that just kickstarts their relationship you know there are other episodes and other seasons where where they started dating according to Corey which I don't really believe it's like oh when we were two and it's like when we were six and it's like no I think it first started when she planted this kiss on you Corey this is where everything basically follows after this how much longer are we gonna wait for Anne? Not gonna show. We were Sean isn't even in the scene. Okay, you can kill us. But think about this. 
Miss Rosemead's been here for like a billion years. She couldn't care less what we do. Hey, Larry, tell him why he got out of study hall last week. I told her I was training for the Olympic decathlon. <laughs> and she believed you, right? She bought me a discus. <laughs> See? She'll go for anything. Now, you know what's going to happen. They're going to hire someone young to replace her. And this one's going to have something to prove. And my good friends, study halls, we know it's going to be over. Forever. Where's the stupid petition? Cafeteria. I'm signing. <laughs> wow. You did great, Corey. It was kind of cool staring down an angry mob. I never knew I had it in me. Sometimes the reluctant warrior is the bravest warrior. <laughs> You're not going to, like, kiss me now, are you? <laughs> Would it be your first kiss? Hey, don't come near me. <laughs> because it would be interesting if all your life you remembered that your first kiss happened when you thought you looked weird. Wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't be interesting. Get away. <laughs> because then you'd know it's not what you look like on the outside that matters. It's what kind of person you are. You shouldn't kiss somebody you're not married to. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I would have to feel I really knew the person and that I liked him. Good. Good. realizing watching that scene again of those kids in the hallway I'm like where's Sean Sean wasn't even a part of this I kind of wonder if it would have been interesting instead of having that kid Spike from Little Giants being the one to say something to Corey if it had been Sean but they haven't really this is only the fourth episode and they haven't really developed we just learned they just used his name in this that referred to him as Sean. So it's I think that'd be a bit of a, a leap there. But alright, so it's the next I'm guessing maybe the next day, the next well probably the following Monday. And Corey the two girls that kind of kicked off this whole Corey feeling self-conscious about his hair. And the thing is I, I believe this type of Episode comes back later in season four, episode two, Hair Today, Goon Tomorrow. Topanga takes drastic measures to prove to Corey that looks aren't important, but when Topanga gets a stunning makeover, Corey starts to feel even more self-conscious. So Corey's now going to face G the girl who plays Gia and the blonde-haired girl. I bet anything, they weren't even talking about Corey when they brought up uh, the kid with the Brillo hair or Brillo head. You know, I want to tell you something. Brillo head wouldn't have come to your party anyway. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the hair does not make the man. And I speak from personal experience. Oh, you guys, hair You shouldn't talk about people like that. Don't flatter yourself, Corey. We weren't even talking about you. You called me Brillo. We were talking about my sister's friend, Dwayne. We never talk about you, Corey. We're not that bored. <laughs> oh, burn. 
both hair back. Yeah. You like it better that way? It's just hair. There's still a seat for you if you want to sit down with us. I kind of promised the guys I'd have lunch with them today. Yeah, I understand. Well, there's always a seat here for you. Thanks. Hey, touch football in my backyard after school. Yeah, I'll be there. Oh, she's got his, his Phillies hat. Aww. Yeah, so yeah, it's like, yeah, they weren't even talking about Corey. They're referring to her sister's friend, Dwayne. And Corey kind of goes on about how you shouldn't talk about people like that and everything. And the blonde-haired girl's like, Corey, seriously, we weren't talking about you. We're not that bored. So Corey goes to sit down at the table with Sean and... Larry and Topanga says oh well there's an open seat here if you want and he's like well I promised the guys I'd sit with them today and he does have his regular hair regular <laughs> his normal hair back his curly hair and when he goes to sit down Sean says hey touch football my backyard and I'm just thinking wait a minute but then I think about it. this is only like I said it's the fourth episode they just mainly referred Sean by his first name. They haven't really built a story around Sean's home life yet or any of that stuff. We don't even know that he lives in a trailer park. So I'm just kind of wondering if maybe even the writers weren't sure what direction they were going to take Sean in. I like how Minkus is so understanding. Like, hey, look, there's a seat here for you. And even Topanga says, you know, there'll always be a seat here for you if you want. But it just, it seems like Corey did have an effect on, on the kids. It's almost, it feels like Corey is straddling the line of both those worlds. Like, he's not uber popular, but he's not at the level of what the kids kind of look at Topanga and Minkus and the other kids as. It feels like he's kind of straddling that line. Like, he's got a foot in kind of both worlds almost. Almost like it seems like he's not quote unquote cool enough to be popular, but he's not like if you even want to say like odd or quirky. Quirky, I'm gonna say quirky. He's not quirky enough to be with Topanga and her friends. But no, I, I honestly, I think it, it's good. He kind of got to dip his toes into the other world and kind of for a split second. But even then, when he's sitting with them, he's like, I'm not like any of you. But he still found a way to kind of help them out of, you know, and take charge of that petition and how he wanted to handle it. Kind of showed him, like, in order to get the other kids on board, we have to appeal to what they're into and stuff like that. And he sits down at the end of the table and then... He's, like, pretty close to where Topanga's chair is, like, practically right up against his. And she pulls out his Phillies hat. And I'm like, I wish we could have seen the exchange of that. Of him get... So, I mean, this doesn't mean they're boyfriend-girlfriend at this point. I mean, that won't officially happen until season three's, you know, back-to-school episode. When he actually officially asks her out. 
So I think my, I want to definitely say I wasn't a big fan of the outfits Corey wore, except for this last one here. He wore a blue and yellow hoodie. At first I thought he was wearing like Michigan colors, like blue and yellow. I don't watch sports teams, but I just know the colors of that. And then green and white is like Spartan colors. But anyway, I'm still hanging on to my Michigan, my Michigan roots. I thought that was cute. I like I, the colors went really good. Navy blue with the 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 bright uh, yellow went good with his, you know being he got his regular normal curly hair back. As far as for the lesson learned, maybe from the desk of Feeney, I'm gonna say that you don't really know someone until you actually sit down and actually get to know. There's always that saying about. You can't really know a person until you walked a mile in their shoes. Because it's so easy to sit there and judge someone based on their appearance or how they talk or, or any of that stuff. And it's like you're not giving yourself the chance to know what an incredible person that is. You're just going based on like, oh, they don't have the flashiest clothes. They don't have the coolest shoes. They don't have the next hairstyle or whatever it's like that shouldn't matter you're not making a friendship with a pair of shoes or a shirt or a hairstyle you're wanting to make and even if you you're into someone because they're popular it's like you know that friendship's got an expiration date don't you like no just get to know really know a person you don't talk to them and stuff and then decide it's like hey we have things in common. And don't feel like you have to be pressured not to hang out with someone because your friends don't like them or, hey, they're not in the same social circle and stuff like that. It's like you need to, as hard as it is, I'm sure it is, as a kid to be able to stand up for yourself and what you want and what you believe in, sometimes you got to take that step and say, hey, I like this person. I don't care what you say about him. I find that they're a decent person. And, and all that should matter is what you, you know, that you like that person. I know that probably sounds a lot like I'm rambling. I mean, if I judge someone just based on their outward appearance, I'm robbing myself of a, probably a pretty dang good friend. So what I did last time, and I kind of want to do... It's not like the rant of Corey or anything compares like that with the Wonder Years. I want to do, and it's only going to be when I feel like this, an episode of Boy Meets World and the Wonder Years kind of have a similar scene or similar story. Something like that. A scene that stands out in the Wonder Years and kind of like, kind of like goes with, you know, I guess if you want to compare it to, you know, Boy Meets World and the Wonder Years, because they're two very different time periods. Boy Meets World, like I said, was the 90s. Uh, the Wonder Years is like 1968 to 90, <laughs> 1968 to 1973. And, of course, there's two of them, because one, of course, has to deal with, you know, you have Corinne Topanga's first kiss here. I want to examine... 
Kevin and Winnie's first kiss in the pilot episode, and then, of course, an episode from season two called Square Dancing, where Kevin finds himself square dancing with a girl that is not very popular on the social chain. She's more of, I guess if you would even want to say, an outcast. She's seen as a little weird, a little quirky, so... gets me um and i'm just kind of thinking of cory and topanga's first kiss of course they're still kind of running you know, right in that high they did this amazing thing with hopefully saving this librarian from being forced into retirement and topanga just seeing Corey kind of in a, in a new light here. Like he did this thing, you know, for us and he, he took charge and everything like that. And I think maybe, you know, just in the episode that like she, she saw something good in him as much as, you know, he wouldn't kind of, you know, rag and make fun and stuff like that. But he, he went into that group and, and he, he took charge like, Hey, this is what we're going to do and everything. I think and much, as goofy as Corey is and stuff like that, he does, he has a sensitive, you know, sweet side to him. And I, I, I think that Topanga in that moment realized, you know, this is my, this is my time. I, I, if I don't do this now, I'm gonna, you know, regret it, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny first kisses, you know, they don't, they're, you don't plan them. The best ones always happen when it's 
not you're not expecting it. And also with Kevin and Winnie's first kiss was more of he was comforting her. Her brother had just been killed and gotten the she had gotten the news that her brother, her older brother, had been killed in Vietnam. And she was upset and she kind of went into the woods and kind of uh, be by herself. Kevin goes there, sees her alone, puts his Jets jacket on. Just like Corey with, <coughs> excuse me, his Phillies hat, which I don't think we really see that after the uh, episode. But Kevin with his Jets jacket and he just, you know, He's seen that she, she's cold, you know, earlier that day in the lunchroom. He, Wayne was teasing them and saying, like, oh, my brother really liked you. He wants to give you a kiss. And he's saying, like, I don't, I don't, never said that. I don't want to kiss her. I don't even like her. And he's just apologizing for that. And I'm not saying that Kevin took advantage of Winnie there in that moment of, you know, her missing her brother and everything like that. Some kisses happen. Some first kisses happen just, you know, the way that they happen. But everyone remembers Corey and Topanga's first kiss and everyone who watched The Wonder Years remembers Kevin and Winnie's first kiss. I just like, I like the idea that both these actors, these brothers, were on these amazing, wonderful, eye-opening shows. And, of course, the next clip I want to play is from the episode Square Dance. Like I said, Kevin is in P.E. He, his class is joined with the, <clears throat> the girls' P.E. class. They're going to spend a week doing <laughs> square dancing. I think I had to do that in elementary school. <laughs> I didn't, I don't think we got paired up with anybody when I did it. But um, anyway, he's par paired with Margaret Farquhar, who is kind of, I wouldn't really say that she's like a version of Topanga as far as like she has all these facts. Her family actually uh, moves around a lot. Her dad's uh, in the army and stuff like that. So she has different pets, like a tarantula, a bat, stuff like that. But where we see Corey straddling the line of being, oh, like I said, he's not quite popular. And he's not quite in the same league as Topanga and Minkus. But he straddles both of those lines. And with Kevin... It's more of, he's got his classmates teasing him, you know, saying, oh, are you and Margaret Farquhar dating? When's the wedding? And he gives in to that torment of the teasing and stuff. And basically, now I said that Corey and that kid kind of iced, uh, Sean and uh, that yeah, yeah kid kind of iced Corey out. Kevin completely ices it, like, I mean, if ghosting were, th I mean, he's, she's being ridiculed by the other kids. He's actually telling her before, you know, the group of kids gets there, like, hey, we can be friends, but nobody can know. You can't come to my house. We can't talk on the phone. You know, secret friends, that kind of thing. And he really, and she even says the words, 
I thought you were different. She actually had come over and was sitting with Kevin and they were just talking about, you know, her, you know, how she grew up moving around all the time and everything like that. And, you know, she thought she saw a side of Kevin that was, you know, good, you know, when he's not around his friends and everything like that. But Kevin just, he could not back down from the, the pressure of just, he couldn't stand up to those kids and hey, don't make fun of her. What's wrong with you? She's a decent person. So I want to play this clip where Margaret pretty much tells Kevin off. So two different boys, kind of sort of similar-ish scenarios in a way, both choose a different path. So first of all, I actually, I want to play two. Uh, this first one is going to be Kevin, you know, hanging out with Margaret Farquaad and just kind of, you know, they get to know each other a little bit. And this is where I can understand Margaret seeing this side of Kevin and then seeing the other version of Kevin, which is how he acts in school, where he kind of, you know, kind of blows her off. Like, no, we're not really friends. We've never been, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. 
sense? I never met anyone like her. <laughs> Not that I liked her, you understand. Still. <clears throat> so your dad was in the army? We travel a lot. Do you know anyone who's been to twelve schools in eight years? Oh my god. She's definitely interesting, which is, and I mean, I would have been her friend because she, she's just awesome. She radiates sunshine and just the, the interesting things that she knows. It's just, it's, oh my goodness. Okay, and this, this is a sad scene just because the way that Kevin doesn't stand up for her and she pretty much calls him out just thought you were different, man. I, I, th I really thought you were a nice guy. Sleeves and books on the floor. That last day of square dancing, I danced alone. Maybe if I'd been a little braver, I could have been her friend, but <laughs> the truth is, in seventh grade, who you are is what other seventh graders say you are.
thing is, it's hard to remember the names of the kids you spent so much time trying to impress. <laughs> but you don't forget someone like Margaret Farquhar, professor of biology, mother of six, friend to bats. Yeah, I just, I wanted to play those clips to really emphasize, you know, Kevin and Margaret versus Corey and, and Topanga, where, like I said, Corey seemed a bit braver, whereas Kevin, unfortunately, buckled under the pressure and missed out on having a really nice friend like Margaret. Alright, so the episode I will be focusing on in March is Season 3, This Little Cory. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Excuse me. No. <laughs> That'll be in April. No, in March, it's going to be Season 2, Wake Up Little Cory. Season 2, Episode 7, Wake Up Little Cory, which aired November 4th, 1994. In this episode, Corey and Topanga spend the night at school while working late on an assignment. In the morning, they find out the entire school thinks they slept together. Yeah. Here's another summary on IMDb. Corey and Topanga stay late after school to work on a video project about sex and love. They accidentally fall asleep in the classroom. They don't fall asleep in the classroom. They fall asleep in a in a editing room, video, audio video editing room. They wake up to a furious Mr. Feeney looming over them. The entire school thinks Corey and Topanga slept together when in reality it was entirely innocent. Corey likes his newfound popularity and does nothing to dispel the rumors. Topanga is hurt because of Corey's indifference to her ruined reputation. So yep, look forward to that in March. I hope you all have a good week. And please continue to be safe and use precautions. If you would like to send an email to the podcast, I would love to hear from you. So you can send that email to watcbmwpodcast at gmail.com. W-A-T-C me stands for World According to Corey, Boy Meets World podcast. So, all right. Bye-bye, everybody.